Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse, uh, here recording last day of February. So, uh, as John Rothstein would say, uh, it is about March. This is about March. So, we are, we are in crunch time, if you will. Um, excited to talk some college basketball on this Thursday afternoon. I kind of followed the same format as I did last week. Uh, pushed it back to uh, Thursday, and also I'm kind of uh, with spring break uh, beginning tomorrow. I really don't have too much going on at the moment. Uh, I had a test yesterday and some other things, so it was more convenient to get it, get this uh, going on a Thursday afternoon. And you know, last day of February, it's uh, it's uh, um, everything's kind of heating up as far as conference races. Uh, bubble teams and whatnot so uh you know we'll kind of we'll kind of get into it um i kind of want to start off talking about the bubble teams because we've kind of and if you heard that that was a train horn apologize for that uh but uh i kind of want to talk about the bubble teams uh to start off because i haven't really i've kind of neglected to talk about some of these teams that have have been kind of teetering somewhat on the bubble uh so according to joe lenardi so right now, this is what the bubble kind of looks like, according to him. Uh, it is NC State, uh, Central Florida, Alabama, Arizona State are your last four buys. Um, and then the last four in, Seton Hall, Temple, Clemson, and Utah State. First four out, Minnesota, St. Mary's, Butler, Belmont. And then your next four out, San Francisco, Dayton, South Carolina, and Georgetown. Oklahoma who has a horrible conference record of 5 and 10 ain't even in the last four buys. They're like they're a 10 seed in the tournament uh, as of right now. So kind of with what I want to go with that is there's been obviously this talk of well should there be uh, a cutoff for some of these at-large team Power 5 conferences as far as their conference record. Got to be at least 500. I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's a good um I don't think that's a good way to do it. And here's why. Because teams go through bad stretches. For example, Texas A&M last year, right? Super talented, very athletic team. One of the best If If everything had gone right for them, they probably easily win the SEC. Um, they were the best team, in my opinion. Uh, maybe the most complete team in the SEC. But you had off-the-court stuff. You had DJ... Uh, DJ Ho gets suspended. You had JJ Caldwell get suspended. You had a Dwayne Wilson injury. I think he ended up, uh, he got hurt at first, came back, and then he was out for the year. Uh, you had a lot of it. So you had between some injuries. I think maybe Tyler Davis had an injury. He was out for a little bit. Uh, Robert Williams, another guy, suspended. So you had a lot of off the court stuff and injuries. Now, off the court stuff, that's a little bit more, you know, like you, you like for a team, you can control that a little bit more than injuries. But still, a lot of off-the-court stuff, but they were still super talented. But they went, I think they went 8-10 and 10 in conference play. Uh, lost the first game of the SEC tournament on a buzzer-beater to Alabama. Uh, so I think they were 8-11 and 11 overall if you, count, if you count the conference uh, tournament. And they made the tournament. And there's, I think, you know, all these people talking about, oh, well, the, you know, they didn't win enough games in conference. They didn't have at least a 500 record. And 
listen, I don't – I just don't agree with that because Texas A&M was so – like, they passed that. Like, I think the eye test has to factor in a little bit here. And not, not to mention they, they were very good, torrid in uh, non-conference. Uh, remember, the first game of the year, they beat West Virginia, who last year, I mean, was really good, beat them by, like, 23 um, on a neutral court. So this notion that, and and then you know, as the way as as the tournament played out, they ended up going to the Sweet Sixteen and they beat Carolina, a two seed. Um, so you're telling me we should keep out Texas A and M because they didn't? And the SEC was good last year; it wasn't like terrible. Now Kentucky was a little bit down, but you had Auburn, who's who's good. You had Tennessee, who was good. Uh, Alabama. Florida was really good. They were up and down, but they were good. So I mean, you didn't have a ton of top end teams in the SEC, but you know, it was very it was deep as far as you know the 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 difference between one and five. There wasn't much of a difference. Arkansas, another team, Missouri, uh, especially if they had Porter Jr. Uh, last year. So you're telling me we should keep out Texas A&M because they went eight and eleven in conference play, yet they are clear like it would have been an abomination to put a mid major in over them. A mid-major isn't beating Carolina in round two, so I think that we need to take about the you know we need to take this more of a case by case basis. For Oklahoma, I don't think they should make the tournament. I think there should be some sort of a standard. I mean, they've lost twice as many games they've won in conference. That's a different story. We're not talking three games under five. We're talking five, and we're talking double the losses as the wins. Uh, that, in my opinion, is a problem. And something that needs to be addressed by the NCAA. Because you're telling me Oklahoma deserves to be in the tournament over Belmont or Murray State. Murray State has one of the best players in the country. And Belmont has been terrific all year. I mean, you're talking about a team that has swept Lips, uh, Lipscomb. They beat the then-conference USA favorites, Western Kentucky. I mean, let's let's just go through Belmont's uh, resume. Like I said, beat Lipscomb, who very well could win the A-Sun in, in a very good team uh, in their own right. Won at UCLA. Like I said, beat WKU. Took Purdue, uh, played Purdue very, very uh, uh, clo- or pretty close in Purdue. They played them tough, for sure. Um, I mean, th- th- their only sort of blemish, they've, they've lost four games all year. At Green Bay, uh, they were swept by Jacksonville State, lost at home and lost on the road, and lost at Purdue. I mean, so one road loss, or one, excuse me, home loss, all all the other three true road games, they've swept the rest of the conference. They won at Murray State. Uh, to, uh, looks like they've only they only had to play Murray State once. But regardless, I mean, they and, and it was a road game. They won at Murray State. So, I mean, I just think it's sort of a, an injustice to say, well, we're going to put in – Oklahoma, who can't even, you know, who who has lost double as many games as they've won in conference over a team like Belmont, who's been who who has not only just destroyed their conference, they've also won some high major games. I mean, UCLA has ended up being a bust, but that's still for for Belmont. That's a good win. Going to Purdue and playing them pretty close. I mean, you know, lost by that game by like eleven, but it was it was very close uh, with about five minutes to go. Purdue kind of pulled away, so. I don't know. I just, I just don't. I think, I think there that there should be definitely some sort of a standard. But I don't know that you can just uh, say, well, this is what it's got to be. That a hard line on it. I think you have to take some of this. 
uh, in, into context. Uh, Seton Hall is a team – I want to talk about Seton Hall in Alabama. Uh, Seton Hall is clinging on to two wins. They're clinging on to two wins. Kentucky at home – or, excuse me, Kentucky on neutral court and at Maryland. And, by the way, those are great wins. And then also handed St. John's their first loss. Um, other wins, they've beaten Miami, who not very good, but still an ACC opponent. Uh, beat Grand Canyon, um, who I believe is the top hundred in the in the uh, in the net rankings. Uh, a win at win at Xavier, a win at Creighton. Uh, but they had this little stretch. They lost four straight. They've been swept by DePaul, and you know. They kind of got back on track, uh, winning three straight against Creighton, two two of them against Creighton, one against Georgetown. Lost at home to Xavier. That was a pretty bad loss. And then at St. John's, they're currently, I think, uh, seven and eight in conference, I believe. Or, yeah, seven and eight in conference. They go to Georgetown. And then here's the two big ones. Host Marquette, host Villanova. Um, they're, I mean, they're just clinging on to those two wins, though. But, I mean... I don't know. It, it's, you know, obviously, if they go to Georgetown and win, I mean, Georgetown, they, they just beat Villanova at their place. It's been a difficult place to play, but they do have some bad losses. That's going to be interesting right now. They are in the tournament. I think right now, when you consider the rest of the bubble, there isn't a team that I would replace in the first four out with, uh, I'd replace Seton Hall with. Like, Minnesota, I don't, you know, no. I don't think Minnesota is a tournament team. Lost back-to-back games. They lost at Rutgers. Have a losing conference record. You know, no. I, I don't think, like, I, I'm, I, like, for me with the Big Ten, Ohio State's the cutoff. They get in. They just beat Iowa at home. I, I'm okay with Ohio State getting in, but not Minnesota. You're talking about a team, um, yeah, you're talking about a team that has lost, I mean, a whopping, what is this, one, two, three, four, five, six, six of seven games with the only win coming against Indiana, who hasn't beaten Indiana at this point, although Wisconsin did, uh, they did just beat Wisconsin, uh, but it, a bunch of quadrant one opportunities that, that they lost, uh, lost, I mean, they had a home game against Michigan, that was kind of like, this is it, right, you have a home game against against the top 10 team. They lose that game, and then they just lose at Rutgers. Uh, they go to Northwestern t- uh, tonight. That game is tonight. Uh, then they play Purdue and Maryland to close out. Purdue at home and at Maryland to close out the year. I, I mean, I honestly think they could lose all three of those games, but even if they go one and two, beating Northwestern and losing to Purdue in Maryland, I, I mean, how are you going to give this team a bid? I mean, they've beaten Wisconsin. They've beaten Iowa. See, they beat they beat Nebraska at home, but Nebraska is not a tournament team. Then they were ranked twenty fourth. They beat Washington, so they really have three wins of note. Washington, one of four or five teams to beat them. Uh, Iowa, and at Wisconsin. That's it. I mean, that, that, that's not enough. I'm sure they. I mean, some of these other wins may qualify uh, as uh, quad one uh, wins, but. It's still not not impressive. So, for the, for the Golden Grove, I don't think they should be in. Butler's another team in the first four out. Uh, I don't think Butler deserves to be in. Again, who, Butler's best win on the year, uh, they beat St. John's at home. They beat Seton Hall at home. Uh, let, let's see who else. They beat Florida in Atlantis in Ole Miss. And that's it. 
I mean, that's it. I mean, Florida's been on the bubble all year. Again, we'll get to them. They're starting to play their way off of it. Um, but they haven't beaten. And then the return game against Florida, so they beat them in Atlantis, and then they played them on the road, and Florida won by 30. You know, I, I just don't know. In pretty much, what, all of their wins, none of them on the road. I don't think Butler's a tournament team. I just lost a home game to Providence. Maybe, you know, outside of DePaul, where is Providence? Providence second to last in the Big, in the big East. Six and ten. One, one game, or, uh, yeah, six and ten DePaul is five and ten. Butler, in uh, in Butler lost at home to that team. They're not a, no, they're, they're not a, uh, they're not a tournament team. Uh, no, if they go to Villanova, if they go to Villanova, win, beat Xavier. If they win out at Villanova, Xavier at home at Providence, okay, maybe we can have a discussion then. But at fifteen and thirteen, coming off a loss to the second worst team in the Big East, no, you know, with without very many other quality wins, I, I don't see how you can uh, give that team a bit. So that's why I, I think Seton Hall is. That, you know, Temple's been a team that's been playing on the bubble. I think they they just uh, they're coming off a loss at. At Memphis, but in fairness, Memphis has been pretty good at home. I think they've only lost what two or three maybe games at home, so you know that's a forgivable loss. Um, their only losses in conference: Cincinnati at home, at Houston, at Tulsa, at Memphis. So, I mean, and they're the only team to beat Houston, by the way, the only team to beat Houston all season. But they do have a loss to Penn. Uh, and uh, I forgot to add, they lost at UCF, another team that is uh, safely, or you know, as um, yeah, safely in the tournament as of right now. So I, I think if if you're Temple right now, you're put. I think you're putting them in the tournament. I, I, I think that's that's what uh, you are doing. And then Alabama is a curious case as well, because Alabama has two big t- or a big time win against Kentucky. They have a good win against Mississippi State. That's a quad. Uh, believe that's a quad one win. Let me see. Where is Ole Miss in the net? Uh, Ole Miss, that's a quad two win because it was a home game. But still, uh, you know, then ranked twentieth. That would have been a quad one opportunity at the moment. Not, uh, not uh, a home win against Mississippi State. Uh, they've won two straight. They won it at South Carolina. That was a massive game. Because uh, if, if Alabama lost that game, it'd be very tough for them uh, to, to stay on the bubble. Uh, because, I mean, you're talking about, you know, South Carolina been coming on. They, they've been really good in conference. To go on the road and beat them, that that's actually a very good win. I don't – let's see if that qualifies for – it doesn't – it's a quad two win. But but honestly, that was more of a – you're protecting – your uh, you're protecting your resume. Two, three massive games coming up for Alabama: home games against LSU and Auburn, both of those quad one opportunities. Then at Arkansas, that's another quad one opportunity. Uh, Arkansas moved into the quadrant one range for you know for Alabama, that being a road game with uh, the the past game against Kentucky. So you have three straight quad one opportunities to finish out the year. All winnable. I mean, Auburn's been atrocious on the road in conference play. LSU is hit or miss, right? Anyone can beat – they can beat anyone, anyone can beat them. You just don't know what's going to happen with them. And then Arkansas, um, you know, they they played Kentucky tough, but in a team that's lost, I think, five or six home games this season. They're beatable. So Alabama could either 
heading to the SEC tournament with the bid already wrapped up. I think currently they're eight and seven in conference. Or they could lose two of three or even three of three and then okay, we have to we're gonna have to win some games in, in Nashville uh to, to feel good on selection Sunday. So massive opportunity. If they win two of three, I think they're good. I, I think that's your number. You gotta win two of these games. Whether you know, they're they're all quad one at the at the moment. They're all they all be quad one opportunities. But you gotta win uh, you got to win at least two of them to feel good heading into the SEC tournament. Because then, you know, I, for the the field, what it is, being a 68-team uh, field, you can get into the tournament pretty comfortably with 13 losses. You can. So, uh, you know, Alabama is a, a very curious team. They had lost three straight. You know, they'd be in such good position. They have two losses against Texas A&M, swept by A&M, and then a loss – at home against Georgia State, if they win those just those three games and avoid those bad losses, they are safely in the tournament. We're not even having, they're not they're not a bubble team. They're in. We're not even having this conversation because their other losses in conference at LSU, uh, Tennessee at Tennessee at this wasn't a conference game, but it was you know in the new year at Baylor. Okay, they, they've proved they're they're they've proven to be a tournament team this season at Auburn. At Mississippi State and Florida at home doesn't look great, but it's not the worst loss ever. I mean, they wouldn't have any bad losses at that point, really, since you know they lost to Northeastern. That'd be their kind of their lone bad loss. But like at UCF, that's not a bad loss. They only lost that game by six too. Beat Georgia State at home and then take care of A and M. They'd be fine. Uh, but losing those games has kind of put them in a little bit of a predicament uh, heading down the stretch. Florida is a team, like I said, playing their way off the bubble. Uh, a team that I didn't think was going to make the tournament probably about four, three, four weeks ago. Uh, definitely coming off that, you know, they had Kentucky beat. They lost that game. Uh, let me find them so I can go through their schedule. Yeah, all the way up to a nine seed uh, playing Baylor in Columbia, in Columbia, South Carolina right now, according to the latest projection. Yeah, they had lost three straight, lost a home game to Kentucky in which they had won. I mean, they, they were up by as much as... Um, 11 in the second half, and they blew that game. Lost the game at Auburn, uh, and then lost at Tennessee by 12. Come, so three st- straight loss. They had lost three of four, um, or actually, no, excuse me, four of five uh, since the uh, SEC Big 12 uh, tournament because they had lost. They lost to TCU. Their only win came against Ole Miss, and they needed a Kayvon Aller, a Kayvon Allen buzzer beater uh, to get that game into overtime. But since then, they're on a roll. They've won now five straight. Uh, the big-time marquee victory coming at LSU last week. Like I said, with LSU, you, 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 they can beat anyone. They can lose anyone. We'll kind of get into that. Uh, but two big-time wins at Alabama and LSU. They've taken care of business against Vandy uh, twice and Missouri at home. They did not play well at all against Missouri um, last uh, – what is that? What? Yeah, that was set. That was on. Um, excuse me, can't. Uh, a little mind blank right there. Uh, on Saturday, they played miserably against Missouri. Were trailing most of that game, but they came back uh, and they won that game, sixty-four to sixty, avoiding a terrible loss. Very similar to what Kentucky went through on Tuesday, avoiding a bad quad quadrant three loss 
uh, they win against Missouri. Then the, last night they took care of Vandy, never really in doubt. Won that game 71-55. Andrew Nimhard was terrific in that game. Mike, Mike White has his team surging. Um, guys are playing more confidently. They're scoring the ball much better uh, in their five-game win streak. They've been above 73 of those five games. Uh, in the losing, when they had lost three straight, they topped. Uh, they did not top 65 in each of those games. Uh, they have been above 65 in all but one. So they they have you know Mike White has his team playing at a really good level, all the way up to 30 in the net. They are safely in. Ken Palm has them, I think, ranked uh, 26. They're on the co- They're on the cusp of a top 25. Uh, top 25 of Ken Palm. Uh, so after a rocky start with, uh, you know, two losses in Atlantis, you know, a blowout loss at Florida State to open the year, uh, and then opening up conference play with a, with a bad loss to South Carolina uh, and, and blowing some opportunities at home against Tennessee, at home against Kentucky, uh, they've, rebounded, they've rebounded really nicely uh, to, to put themselves uh, very much into the field. Uh, Kayvon Allen... Andrew Nimhard, a big part of that. So the Florida Gators, I'd say, are safe, uh, are safely in uh, the tournament. Clemson's another team that's very interesting because they have some some decent wins. Uh, you know, they have a win against, or they had. Uh, so they've had kind of a rocky past few weeks. So after. Losing to North Carolina State at the buzzer. When was that game? Uh, th- that might have been... Well, let's see here. When was this game? The 26th of the... Yeah, that, that was back uh, uh, the last game of January. Then they went on to win four straight. Kind of, they beat up on lesser teams. Wake Forest at Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. But then they beat Virginia Tech at home, so they look to be... Uh, rolling right along. Then they lost a bad road game to Miami. Lost uh, to Louisville, the heartbreaker. We're going to talk about Louisville and just we'll talk about them a little uh, later. Uh, and then Florida State at home. But then they rebounded nicely with a couple of wins against Boston College and Pittsburgh, avoiding bad losses. But the schedule gets no easier. They host Carolina uh, on Saturday. Oh, Carolina. We're, we're going to talk about the one seeds as well. Uh, as we go in, we'll, we'll we'll talk kind of talk about that field, a little bubble talk, transitioning into the big boys. Uh, but Carolina playing their way into one seed consideration in January that was kind of like not plausible. Uh, no one thought that would have happened, uh, but it but it did. And then they go to Notre Dame again. Notre Dame's not very good, but road conference games. You know how they can be. And then Syracuse at home, uh, another team that that uh, uh, is, is struggling a little bit. Uh, in the orange. So Clemson, I'd say you need to win it definitely against Syracuse and, and Notre Dame. Uh, you know, they lose against Carolina. If if they lose to Carolina, they went two of the three with the loss coming to Carolina, which I would assume that's, a, you know, probably the most likely scenario. Um, and then they win a game in the AC tournament, I think they'll be fine. You know, at that put them at what? Uh, yeah, 20 and 13. 2013 probably something like that that you know in, in the team you lose to in the ACC tournament is like you know good like they're in the field you know it it, it would be um uh, I think that's uh, an interesting uh scenario so uh but 
definitely we shall see what goes down. Okay, so that's, I'm trying to think, of, like I said, I don't, uh, Oklahoma's currently safely in the field. I disagree with that uh, very strongly. I don't think they should be in the tournament with a 5-10 and 10 conference record. Um, but I don't make the decisions here. Um, I guess, I guess, well, we can talk a little bit about the uh, Big 12 race. Kansas, man, they just won't stop. They just won't give up. Uh, only a game out. Texas uh, Tech, uh, they, they won a nail-biter last night against uh, Oklahoma State. By the way, actually, before I even get into that, I kind of forgot about this. Um, you know, so I tweeted out my top 25, and, uh, you know, someone finally actually commented, disagreed with me. It was good. I actually, you know, wanted that little, little, uh, little uh, you know, debate here. But... You know, I had Texas Tech at seven. That's that was fairly high, you know. I'll admit that was a little high, um, but pretty much everyone around them had been losing. I'm like, well, this team's won seven of eight, actually now eight of nine with their win uh, last night. So I'm like, well, I mean, talking about they just blasted Kansas, uh, beat them by thirty. And my thing with them had always been with Texas Tech had been they can't score. They're not scoring very much. Well, on this little win streak, I mean, okay, so they're currently, what are they on? A one, two, three, four, five, a six-game win streak. I'll give you the point totals. 81, 66, 78, 86, 91, 84. They've been under, they've been under 70, 75 once. They've been under 80 twice in that span. So, my, you know, in both of those games were on the road. So, I, like... They just blew out. They blew out Baylor. They blew out Kansas. Oklahoma State was a little close, closer than it needed to be. But I think Lindsey or Lindy Waters for um, the the Cowboys kind of went off. And what are you gonna do? So and they ended up winning that game in overtime. So they've won six straight, eight of nine in the Big Twelve in a, in a Power Five conference. Um, they're they're scoring the ball better. You know, I don't really have a whole lot of of uh, like I don't have a whole lot of qualms or, or uh, you know problems with their game right now. Now they got three big games coming up at TCU, Texas at home, at Iowa State. Um, I agree they've played sort of a soft schedule to an extent. Virginia, West Virginia, not good at Oklahoma. It was a road game at Oklahoma. I've already told you my thoughts. I don't think they're a tournament team. Oklahoma State twice. That's the worst team in the Big Twelve. Um, and then, you know, got Baylor and Kansas, who are good, but both of them home games. You know, all right, at TCU, a team that's safely in the field, uh, lost at West Virginia last, or on Tuesday night, I believe it was, but they still, uh, I think they picked up a pretty big win over the weekend. Who'd they beat? They, I think they, they swept Iowa State. That's what it was. Yeah, they swept uh, Iowa State. So, uh, yeah, and then... Hold on a second. I lost my, lost my place here. Uh, here we go. Um, and then Texas at home, a team that just suffered a big-time heartbreaker uh, last night. And then at Iowa State. All right, here you go. Like, this is, this is it. You got to, you know, I, I ranked them a little bit high, but they can justify their ranking. Right now, according to Kim Palm, Texas Tech is ninth. It's only two off. 
and then according to uh, the net, they're 10th. So while I'm still higher on them than normal, AP pulled their 11th, I believe. I mean, I'm not like terribly off. So I, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting that, uh, that you know, people disagree with that. But that's fine. Uh, but like I said, Texas Tech, Kansas State, 11 and four. Kansas 10 and five. Kansas just beat Kansas State at home. A Kansas Kansas should not be good. They're undefeated at home, right? I mean, but with all they've lost, so Silvio D'Souza being ineligible, haven't had him the whole year. Yudoka Azabuki wrist injury out for the year, and Alla Gerald Vick. Uh, you know, taking his leave of absence. I mean, you know, when it, when that first came out, it was, you know, it was timetable, like no timetable for a return. So, I mean, they don't know he's coming back. He could come back, maybe or maybe not. But they're still in the thick of it, and Kansas' last three games aren't exactly uh, super challenging. At Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma, Baylor at home. I mean, they are more – now, Kansas have been atrocious on the road, Right? Just got blasted by Texas Tech. Kansas State beat them pretty good. Lost to Kentucky, Texas, West Virginia. I mean, the last time they won a road game, they they won at TCU. And then the, th- the time before that was Baylor. That was like the third or fourth conference game. So not a, they haven't exa- they've won like three road games, two, two or three road games since the new year. Yeah. Uh, not exactly lighten it up on the road, but they are playing kind of uh, lighter opponents uh, in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So they got a chance. They, they absolutely have a chance. Uh, and, you know, they, all they need is Texas Tech or Kansas State to slip up. I think, or I think they need them both to uh, – yeah, I think they need both of those teams to lose one more and then win. It's not probable, but it could happen. You know, Bill Self just keeping his team around there. So I think that's uh, that's interesting. All right, let's talk about the one seeds. Uh, the one seeds now for for uh, a minute. And then we'll kind of get into some uh, miscellaneous college basketball stuff. Like, uh, you know, Villanova got back on track, but they had been struggling. Talk about Louisville's collapse. Uh, and some, uh, Auburn picked up a big-time win last night, uh, kind of saving their season maybe potentially. Uh, Virginia Tech keeps beating Duke on the same day of the year. It's wild. Uh, talk a little bit of that kind of stuff. Uh, but I want to talk about the one seeds. The one seeds are really interesting. Uh, now, th- again, this bracket from one already uh, was updated Tuesday before the games. So Tuesday before any games were played. So that means Kentucky. That means Duke. That This is before Duke's loss, before Kentucky's played. This is before Virginia played. Uh, Carolina, Tennessee uh, last night, um, and then all, and then you know tonight Michigan will play um, uh, Michigan State. I don't know when they play next, but uh, again, and we'll talk about that game too. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is before all that. But currently, I think right now what it is. So Duke lost. Okay, spoiler alert: Duke lost, and they keep losing to Virginia Tech on the same day. So February twenty sixth. For whatever reason, three of the last nine February twenty sixth, um, Duke has lost at Virginia Tech. Happened this year, happened last year, and happened two thousand eleven. That is an absurd stat. I have never heard anything like that. Like the same day consistently. That I, that's crazy to me. So. 
Um, so they lose again. They lose to him, and Zion was out again. Uh, they performed much better against Syracuse without Zion. This game they did not. I think it, you know it's it's kind of affecting their defense too. They they gave up a lot of open looks uh, to Virginia Tech, and they just don't have. I mean, Zion's so good at closing out on shooters, and they just don't have that with him out. Uh, so you know, in Virginia Tech, you can say, "Well, Duke was without Zion." Well, Virginia Tech was without Justin Robinson, who might be their best player. Uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is probably their best talent, definitely their best NBA prospect. But Justin Robinson might be their best player overall. Yes, Duke is without theirs, but Tech very well may have been without theirs. So you know, kind of evened it out. Duke still lost. Got. Uh, you know, not a whole lot out of Cam Reddish. Uh, actually, well, they didn't get a whole lot out of Cam Reddish against Syracuse. Let's see what they did. Um, right, Cam Reddish, he had, you know, he had 17. So, okay, he was better this game. But Trey Jones, only 9. Alice O'Connell, who went off against Syracuse, only 6. Hit both of his 3-point attempts, but he uh, only had... Of the six, and then uh, R.J. Barrett, which with Zion out, he has to get like thirty something, and he only had twenty, twenty-one, one of six from three, four of seven from the line. Uh, so they struggle a little bit. Jack White has missed, I think, is it twenty-eight consecutive three-point attempts? Uh, I I've never heard that. like that's another crazy stat. Like, I, in a dude that like coming into the year was supposed to be like one of their better shooters, next to O'Connell and Reddish, probably the third best. Has missed twenty like eight or nine straight attempts. That's crazy. So Duke is you know struggling a little bit. Carolina obviously beat Duke last week. Uh, beat Syracuse uh, on uh, Tuesday. So they're I forgot who they beat on Saturday. Um, so that they're rolling right along. They're doing their thing. They put themselves into the conversation for a two seed or excuse me a one seed. Uh, Kentucky kind of struggled. Through Arkansas, they blew out Auburn. Uh, you know that that game, that, that was in my opinion Kentucky's best game of the season. Uh, now, ranking if I had to rank Kentucky's best wins, I wouldn't put that up like very high up because it was Auburn at home. Auburn's a little bit overrated, right? They've kind of fallen off. You know, I I still think right now I'd say right now Carolina that neutral court win probably Kentucky's that's their best looking win at the moment. And then uh, behind that would be the Tennessee game. Uh, but this might have been their best performance. Uh, dominated both sides of the ball. Uh, held Auburn to a season-low 53 points. Uh, outshot the best shooting team maybe, probably in the conference, maybe in the country. One of them. I mean, hit 11 of 24 threes, P.J. Washington. Playing at a, a national player of the year uh, level in that game. He was terrific. Um, I mean, you had everyone kind of con- contributing. Um, and without Reed Travis, you get uh, out of EJ, Montgomery, Nick Richards, you get um, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 6 blocks, and 3 steals. That'll do. That'll work. Uh, you get that out of those two guys. Then, and, and plus, you're, you know, with Reed Travis, I mean, you're going to be better rebounding, you're going to have better position, and you're going to have just more brute strength, obviously, down low. You're going to have better post defense. But with E.J. Montgomery and Nick Richards, you get the, the rim protection. And Nick Richards uh, in this game, or an Auburn game, and then Arkansas game, has three blocks in each. 
You know, he, he is legit an elite shot blocker. He has flaws. It's not a perfect game. But, like, he is an elite shot blocker. One of the best in the country at that. I mean, he, he plays it all and he gets, you know, three or four blocks. And he's not a full-time player. It's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, it gets Arkansas. They struggled through. Uh, didn't show up in the first half. But in the second half, they turned it on. Uh there is a point where Arkansas, because Arkansas in the first half was going off Isaiah Joe. If you don't know who he is, he's going to be a thorn in the side of SEC opponents for years to come. Uh, I believe, you know, I don't know, he had like 16 points in the first half, hit like four or five threes. Um, but, you know, Kentucky was down by as much as 15, and then there was a point where they clamped on defense. It was 51 to 42, that's what it was. And Kentucky held Arkansas without a bucket for six minutes, 50 seconds. And they ended up taking the lead. They didn't give it back. That, that's really impressive. And no, Arkansas isn't good. If that was a good team, I mean, pretty much that game was very similar to what happened um, in the LSU game, except it, the, the halves were flipped and Kentucky was playing a better team. Right? Because, like, Kentucky played a really good half against or first half against LSU, up by 8, and then they got outscored by 10, they lose the game. In this game, they get outscored by 11 in the first half, and they outscore Arkansas by 15, they win by, by 4. Uh, it, it was pretty much flip, but you played a worse team, that's why you got the win. That's exactly what happened. Very similar games. Um, I can tell you, what, did they score 70 in this game against Arkansas? 71 against LSU. Very similar, they just played a better team. Um, but, I mean, I think that's the fourth or fifth time they've come back from double digits this season. Very impressive. Uh, you know, again, with Kentucky, they, they're not perfect, but they fight. And you have to give them that. Like, that, it's undeniable that this team fights like heck. Uh, and, and whenever they're back into the corner, they, they perform. I mean, they really do. They make, they make plays. They did it in this game. Uh, Tyler Hero was obviously the the uh, the story. Uh, I'm a bucket. He's a bucket, and he, he he well he was a bucket that game. 29 points. He hit five of Kentucky's six made threes. Uh, I mean was was even early even in the first half when, when Arkansas was was rolling. I mean he he's the one that kept. I mean he's the one the reason that it wasn't um, a 20 point game and it was an 11 point game because he was he was making some big shots. Kentucky had. I mean, the story of the game, or the re, kind of the story of that game is Kentucky had 12, 12 first-half turnovers, three second-half turnovers. You know, I mean, that, that, was, that was pretty much, that, that was the story of the game. Uh, they, they quit turning the ball over, they, they took care of it, and, uh, you know, they, they made it. And then, obviously, you had the, the, the lockdown defense, um, Arkansas, Scoring just, I think it was twenty, yeah, twenty-seven points in the second half. Really clamped down on them. So, all right, enough about that. But they they stay in play for a one seed. You obviously have Gonzaga. They're going to rip through their conference. For Gonzaga, though, what's going to hurt them? I mean, they. So I think right now they currently have four quad one wins, uh, and they only have maybe four left or two opportunities left. That's a problem. Kentucky, for example, their next three games, according to the current. Net, they have three straight. Kentucky could end up having six quadrant one wins, like remaining if they went out. Six. They're currently at nine. That put them at fifteen. That'd probably be the most of any team. I think Michigan State currently has eleven. Kansas, I think, has ten. 
Kentucky is ninth, has nine, and they're like tied for third or something like that. I think Duke has nine as well. Like Duke, for example, they got a couple cup cupcakes coming up. Then they go to Carolina. If they win out, boom, they'll probably get. That's probably two more. They're going to be at like you know, twelve, something like that. Virginia, I think they have like nine too. I don't know. So we'll have to see. But again, currently, right now, it's Virginia is the number one overall. Then I think it's Gonzaga is number two. Duke three, Kentucky four. Um. Kentucky could end up getting Louisville still, which is really shocking. Um, really shocking, because that didn't seem like a possibility. Like, really, after the Seton Hall games and after the Alabama game, that didn't seem like it could happen. And it could. Now, Kentucky has to win out, I think. They're going to have to win out. What that What's going to have to happen is Virginia's going to have to win out as well. They would get D.C. Kentucky wins out, and then... Just they need Duke and Carolina to lose one more game each, which they would because if Virginia won out, that means those two would have lost. They they wouldn't have won the ACC tournament. Kentucky's your two, your number your number two your number two one seed, in Louisville, and then Duke or Carolina, whichever one, you know, was ahead. I don't know. They'll get they would get Kansas City, Gonzaga would get Anaheim. Well, West. I don't know how likely that is, but it's very possible. You know. Talk about you know Tennessee for a second. They got a big win last night against Ole Miss. Game they should not have won, but they won. And Grant Williams was terrific. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a very interesting game. And and I apologize if I'm not really like talking about like some of these games, in de- like recapping because I want to talk kind of about the bracket uh, a little bit. Kind of kind of start to get that preview going. That's what I'm doing. Um, but anyway. Kentucky-Tennessee. Going to be a really interesting game because Reed Chavs probably isn't going to play for Kentucky. Um, but Grant Williams got whatever he wanted. Tennessee, they didn't make threes, but they shot over 50%. I mean, pretty much inside the arc, whether it was mid-range uh, Jays or layups, they were making everything. Ole Miss really didn't have any rim protection, and they didn't uh, – and, and, and they couldn't really stay in front of the Tennessee guards either. I mean, Lamonte Turner and Grant Williams won the game for Tennessee. I mean, those two single-handedly made plays uh, down the stretch that won them the game, props to them. I mean, Schofield took that charge at the end. It was one of the most bizarre charge charges I've ever seen taken. It's probably the right call, but it's a very, you know, like, takes a charge on a three-point kind of half-court heave. But it happened, and uh, Tennessee won. But uh, anyway, but Ole Miss has two players that are 6-8 and above. One player that's over 6-9, or, or that's over 6-8. And that dude, I, I can't, he's from, I think, Poland or somewhere in Europe. Played nine minutes last night. Um, I think Bruce Stevens is the other, the 6-8 power forward, 250. I mean, he's, who, who's about similar, similar, you know, similar size as Grant Williams. You know, 6-8, 2-250, that's Grant Williams. 6-8, probably, he's probably a little bigger, probably 260. Um, Kentucky, on the other hand, you have P.J. Washington, who's 6'7", but he's long for 6'7". Doesn't weigh as much, but he's long. Nick Richards, 7 foot. E.J. Montgomery, 6'10". Long. Trees. Uh, Ole Miss doesn't have that. I mean, Tennessee was able to dump it down the Williams and, and get pretty much get an automatic foul or bucket. You know. Now, Grant Williams is much stronger than all those guys that I, I mentioned for Kentucky. 
what I think will happen, because this happened back last year, is that Kentucky will put P.J. Washington on Grant Williams. P.J. Washington shut down Grant Williams the first half of the game in Knoxville last year. Got cramps, couldn't come back in, Kentucky got blown out. Uh, not to mention Quade Green, I think, also hurt his back that game in winning Gabriel fouled out with uh, 12 minutes to go. So Kentucky kind of ran out of players, but that's beside the point. I mean, the first half, Washington was blocked. It was just – I mean, he, he was in – Grant Williams said himself after the game, he was in my head. So I think if you're Kentucky, that's your best bet. Um, and then, you you know – but the sacri- you know, you kind of you know you sacrifice his offense then because PJ Washington didn't have to guard Grant Williams last game and he had like twenty four points dominated the game. Uh, if he's guarding Grant Williams, I don't know if he'll have enough steam on the offensive end to get those numbers. But we'll just have to see. You know, Cal's been talking about how PJ is the most uh, you know, conditioned player on the team. See what happens. So those matchups will be interesting. I, on the Kentucky Sports Podcast, I picked Kentucky to win. And I don't think the Arkansas game really changes that because I just don't think they showed up. I think this game, big game in, in Knoxville, you're talking about the one seed on the line, very important, the SEC uh, regular conference or regular season conference uh, standings on the line, uh, much more important game. And I think they were kind of looking towards this game. Uh, on the road, very – so I don't think they're going to do that. But it's going to be very tough without Reed Travis in there. I still think Kentucky narrowly wins. I think Tennessee has a better shot better odds to win, but I think Kentucky wins, if that makes sense. I'm predicting Kentucky to win, even though I probably I would tend to say that Tennessee probably has a 60% chance to win. But I'm going to go with that 40. I'm going to go with that 40. But we'll just have to see how it shakes out. It'll, it'll be a very interesting matchup uh, between two heavyweights in, in the SEC. And if Kentucky wins out, LSU stumbles once, they will get the regular season title. If Kentucky loses, they're probably going to be the three. I, I think that's the most likely scenario. So we'll just have to see, though. It'll, it'll be It's going to be a very good game, very physical game. And I think Nick Richard, G.J. Montgomery, those two may determine the outcome of the game because they're going to have to stay out of foul trouble and they're going to have to uh, defend and rebound uh, like heck. So anyway, I, you know, I kind of previewed that one because that's like the game of the weekend. I mean, that that's the most important game, I think, of the weekend. Um, although, you know, LSU, talk about them for a second, kind of getting off the one seeds. Uh, LSU talk about they have a big time stretch coming up too, because they're currently the leaders and you know they they beat Tennessee without Tremont Waters very impressive. Now having Javante Smart as your backup who who is a like consensus like upper four star player. I, so I, Tremont Waters terrific, but like that's quite it's not like the downgrade was huge. I mean you get totally different players between Javante Smart and Tremont Waters. Javante Smart's probably a better fit for L or is probably a better you know player to have because Tennessee just doesn't have the athletes like Smart is to, to stay in front of. They don't. They just don't. And that's what happened at twenty nine points. I mean, but still, regardless, very impressive win. Win without your point guard. Nas Reed scored one point. If you would have told me no Tremont Waters, Nas Reed scores one point, who wins between Tennessee and LSU? I'd have said Tennessee by fifteen at least, probably. 10, 10 to 15. I, I, not, not like crazy blowout because it was in LSU, but like I would have said, yeah, probably Tennessee by a decent amount. Nope. Uh, and, and for that call that was made, I think it was the right call on Grant Williams. You know, you flop like that. You, it, it, that deserved to happen. If he doesn't flop, 
probably doesn't get called. So anyway, that's my take on that. Uh, but LSU currently number one because uh, there's a three-way tie at the top at 13 and two between Tennessee, Kentucky, and LSU, and at Alabama out at Florida Vandy for Kentucky. At Tennessee, at Ole Miss, Florida at home. For Tennessee, it's Kentucky at home. Uh, oof. I think it's Kentucky, it's Kentucky at home, Mississippi State at home, and Auburn. That those are tough games for both of those, for all three of those teams. Like those are very difficult games. Tennessee, those are all quad one games. LSU, two or three of them are. Kentucky, as of right now, all of them are. And Florida just beat LSU. Florida just beat LSU in L- in uh, in uh, Baton Rouge. Um, and then you throw in, you know, Alabama. I think what, they've lost two, three home games this year. Texas A and M, Florida, Georgia State. I think that's it. They've lost three home games all year. They're good. beat Kentucky. They beat Kentucky. So. It's going to be, you know, it, that race can be very interesting. And then for Tennessee, at Auburn. I mean, two teams have beaten Auburn, I think, in the last two years, Kentucky and Ole Miss. And you think on senior day, senior night for Bryce Brown, and you think they're not going to bring it? I, I think they're going to bring it. It's going to be, like, that's going to be a very tough game for Tennessee. All three teams have very tough road games uh, coming up. Tennessee, two, two of their – Three are at home, but one of them's Kentucky and the other is Mississippi State. I mean, I mean, talk about Mississippi State. They're playing as good as anyone in the conference right now. One, I think, five straight. They've been great. Uh, you know. So, uh, we'll, you know, we'll just have to see. But uh, very, very interesting going down the stretch uh, in the SEC. I mean, ACC is very interesting, too. You got Duke, Virginia, Carolina. Virginia and Carolina tied at the top at 13-2. and two. Virginia holds the tiebreaker because they beat Carolina in the Dean Dome. I mean, that's the only game Carolina's lost in, like, the last six weeks. Virginia. Virginia just keeps hanging around. Like, again, they're, they're – I don't know how much stock I put into the, to them because they do this every year, but, I mean, they're, they are a good basketball team. If you think they're not good at basketball, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Talking about a team that's lost to – they've lost two games all year and it was Duke. You're going to pick a team to lose to twice, that's probably the team you pick. So – and Duke is below. So, it, you know, well, Zion, because he's still out, just going to have to see when he comes back. If he's able to come back for that game of the D-Dome, that, that game is going to be a classic. It is going to be a terrific ball game. If he doesn't, I don't see how Duke wins. In the Dean Dome, I mean, ironically, the only team to beat Carolina this year in the Dean Dome is Louisville, and they beat them by a lot. I don't know if Duke can do that though, with the way Carolina's playing, um, without Zion. All right, let's talk about Louisville for a second. So they had been kind of cruising right along, right, in the month of January. In the month of January, it's been a tale of two months for Louisville. Month of January, they were seven and one, only loss coming at Pittsburgh. They beat at they won at Carolina. They beat a ranked North Carolina State team. They kind of beat up on some of the bottom feeders: Boston College at home, at Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh at home, at Wake. All you know, 
Miami. But six or seven and one in the ACC in a month, that's pretty good. And February happened. That Carolina game. Remember I said that was going to be a big game for them. They need to win that. They need to find a way to win that, and they lost. People do, I think, totally broke them. But I think the beginning of the end was against Carolina. They went to the Virginia Tech. They beat a shorthanded Virginia Tech team. Same team that beat Duke. So you give them credit for that. But then Florida State happened. And they had that game won. Up by 10. Lost that. Then Duke had that game won. Lost that game. They beat Clemson. But they really deserved to lose because they somehow gave Clemson two shots in the last three and a half seconds. And Louisville's inbounding. And then, and then just it's been a collapse. I mean, at Syracuse by 20, loss. Virginia uh, up by 10 at halftime, was in control, hit like a bunch of threes, lost. And then just last night losing to a bad Boston College team on the road. Uh, they close out with Notre Dame at home and then at Virginia. <laughs> I mean, I like to think they'd beat Notre Dame, but at this point, do I think it'll be close? Probably. I mean, it's amazing, though, how good everything looked in January. And then the calendar changed, and two and six. They're a tournament team. They'll make the tournament. They're not on the bubble. But, like, they've been brutal. And it's kind of, I don't know. It's been very, uh, it's been a tough stretch for Louisville for Chris Mack. Just a bizarre turn of events. I mean, they really fell apart after Duke, but it kind of started even earlier than that um, against Florida State, against Carolina. Uh, but, you know, Louisville's been struggling. All right, Villanova, talk about them. We've got about you know, six, six and a half minutes left. Villanova had lost three straight coming into the game against Marquette, and then they, they won. They beat Marquette last night. Game they just had to win. A game you just had to win, right? They lost to St. John's. They blew a 19-point lead. They had lost a four or five. Because, you know, the, Mar- the Marquette game, what, three weeks ago, it was kind of a heartbreaker. Lost by a point there. That's not a bad. And then, you know, take care of Providence. Had St. John's beat, beat them by, up by 19, they lose that game. Then they go to Georgetown to get manhandled uh, last Wednesday. And then at Xavier Sunday, like, brutal. Like, Xavier is not good. And when's the last time Villanova's lost three straight? It hadn't happened, I think, in four years. Um, and then, but they got the much-needed win against Marquette, held held the Golden Eagles to 61 points. I mean, for all of Villanova's struggles, it is very impressive that they held Marquette to under 70 points in the two meetings this year. Like, that's really impressive. Uh, so Villanova, play, you know, stepping up and playing some pretty big defense, uh, but they have still been brutal. Uh, they've been brutal shooting the ball uh, earlier this year, they made nine threes last night. Jermaine Samuels, all of a sudden, boom. Pretty pretty big-time recruit coming out of high school. I know he had a Duke offer as a top 30, 20, or 30, 40 guy. Uh, picked, the, picked the Wildcats at 29 points, his career high. Phil Booth, brutal from the floor, 3 of 18, but got 10 points at the line. Uh, as the Villanova Wildcats, for their struggles, I think they're a game out of first place. I don't know who I don't know who holds the tiebreaker. Well, it's probably Marquette. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who holds the tiebreaker. Only a, or only a half a game out. Marquette at twelve and three, Nova at twelve and four. So they're very much in the thick of it uh, for the Big East. Uh, Got to be around three, right? Got to be around three. 
uh, in the garden um, on championship weekend. Uh, one could only hope. Looking forward to it for sure. Uh, trying to think if there is anything else worth mentioning as we uh, start to wrap up the podcast. Uh, I guess we can kind of talk about some of the games. Well, Michigan State, Michigan. I guess we mentioned that real fast. Uh, I, I give Tom Crizzo, Tom Izzo, excuse me, Tom Izzo, not Crizzo, Izzo, a lot of credit for what he's done with this team this year. Uh, because last year I thought pretty bad coaching job, right? All that talent, get Bridges a second year, Jaron Jackson top three player, and essentially the same team he's got this year. Because uh, not, I mean, other than Aaron Henry, not really any of the freshmen play. And uh, they just totally bombed, right? Uh, you know, flaming out in the second round. But this team, man, it's like injury after injury. You have Langford. And then all the off-the-court stuff last year, they got cleared. But all that stuff kind of looming over them much of the offseason. And Langford out for the year, probably your best, your your most athletic perimeter player. Maybe your most athletic player on the team. Um, and then... Now Nick Ward being out, two of your best three players out. You know, Langford's done for the season. Ward's out indefinitely. You get your best post player and most athletic perimeter player again. It's a lot, and they just keep winning. And they had that little stretch, they lost three in a row, but then they just—I mean—they went to Michigan and shut them down. I mean, really did really impressive performance um, at the at the Chrysler Center by the Spartans. Uh, you know, Cassius Winston, big, big shoe in for Big Ten Player of the Year, no doubt. Uh, you know, really good performance on Sunday. And then, I mean, just for Michigan, like the collapse they've kind of had this little mini collapse. It's not terrible. They're still they're still a two seed, but man, I mean, they got Nebraska at home tonight. That should you know they should be able to take care of business. But then they go to Maryland and Michigan State to close out the year. I mean, for as good as they started, it's just really, really. You know, gone downhill fast uh, for the Wolverines. So yeah, I mean, the Wolverine season—it's completely opposite of last year, right? They started off poorly, piss poorly, and then by the end of the year, they were—I mean, they were beating teams left and right. They went to went to East Lansing and won there. That you know, they they beat uh, Michigan State. They only swept them. They only beat them. Uh, they only played twice last year for whatever reason. Uh, and then they beat, you know, Purdue in the championship. And then, obviously, they went all on, a, you know, easier road, but they still went on to the championship games. Very impressive. Um, and then this year, they kind of – this year they look like Michigan State, kind of. Uh, started so well, and then it's not looking very good. But, uh, anyway, so we'll just have to see how that plays out. But thank you all for listening uh, to the latest – this latest edition of the Posting Up podcast. I believe this is episode 17 of the season. Ooh. But uh, it, it is, you know, mo- when most of y'all listen, probably, it's March. <laughs> it is March. So that's, you know, one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, cannot wait for championship weekend. There will probably not be a podcast next week. Um, actually, there will be the week after that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, spring break, I'll probably I have my spring break next week. I'll probably make time to do it. But then the, the week after that, I'll be in Frisco, Texas for the conference tournament. Probably will not be making a podcast uh, that week, but the week after, I, I will uh, do so and talk about the bracket. The bracket will be out by then, so I am excited. Uh, going to be a very fun next few weeks, and we will just have to see what happens. But thank you all for listening. 
Uh, this is your host, Al Jesse, signing off.